We are in a series called, um, oh, I forgot the series name. Great, the story. <laughs> Welcome to church. Plus, Pat will be preaching next week, the real guy. So, any case, we are in a series called The Story. And um, uh, I have the privilege to, to do uh, Standing Tall, Falling Hard. And uh, it's, there's so, so many topics that, that we can cover. Uh, if, you, if you have the book, The Story, we're going from front to back in the Bible through this series and uh, covering all the topics there is and all the stories. And, and, and in this part, we, we, we learn about the story of Hannah. We meet Hannah. We, we, she was a lady of faith. And, and for me personally, uh, I love to preach on faith. That's probably my strongest point. It's preaching on faith. And uh, uh, then when we meet the life of Samuel, that we see his life, and, and he was a devoted um, prophet of God, and he, hear, uh, he heard God's voice so clearly. He was, he was so devoted, and, and he heard God's voice. And, and in this time is also the time where uh, Israel needed a king. He needed a, they needed a king, and they wanted a king, because they, 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 they rejected actually God as their king because they wanted a king to lead them uh, into, into uh, fights and into the wars. And this is where we meet Saul, the first king of Israel. Uh, and, and I want to, today I want to focus on, on his life because the title is, is so relevant to our lives today. It's standing tall but falling hard. It's speaking into, into the problems that grip our life. And it's a, it's a problem called pride. It can so easily creep into our lives and, and, and steal from us and, and come into our lives. And, and, and that's when our lives is falling apart. It's when, when we open or, or leave the door open for pride to get into and the question that I want to answer this morning is, how can we get free? How can we get free from the grip of pride? How can we be free from that? How can this standing tall, falling hard, not become our life's message? How can we keep on standing tall? And that's the answer, that's the question that I want to answer. So I want to read, and, and I probably have a lot of scriptures, so if you're taking notes, there's some of the scriptures that's, that's not on the, on the screens, but I want you to just take a note and just go and study them. It's going to help you with this pattern of life, because in life, there's a pattern. There's always a pattern. There's a pattern why problems occur in our lives, but there's always in scripture a solution for that as well. And we're going to look at the pattern that creates the problem but I want to give you the solution as well so that we don't fall hard in this life. We're in John chapter 8, verse 31, and, and I'm focusing on the life of Saul and on pride and everything that has to do with it. So I, I could have chosen Hannah, and that would have been great because I, I would have get a chance to preach, but today I'm going to teach. Bit tedious, I know, but sometimes I'm moving over, and then I'll preach again, okay? Everybody good? Yeah. John 8, John 8, Jesus is teaching here. The Jews who had believed in him, so they are converted. They, they believe, they've become Christians. The Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This confused his disciples because they, they, they were free. For them, they, they, they felt that they were free. And this is how they answered. They answered him, we are Abram's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I uh, tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
And, and that's God's journey. That's the journey that God wants us to go on. To go on to a journey where we are completely free. Where we are completely free from, from the life of sin, from the pride of life, and everything that goes with it. But there is a problem. There is a problem. It's because the problem is the word carnal. We are Christians. We don't just get Christians and non-Christians. We are Christians, but we are also carnal. We have a, a fleshly part that's part of us. We have a body. We are a spirit man, yes. That's when we've been born again, when we have accepted Christ as our Savior. That's the moment that we've been born again. That's when our spirit man has been born again. But we also have this body which is carnal, which wants the things of this world. It wants the things. It wants the pleasures of this world. And it's a constant battle between your fleshly body and your spirit man. Your spirit man and your flesh man. There's a constant fight for who is stronger. Who is stronger? Who can make the best decisions? And that's where the battlefield of the mind starts. Is I want this because my flesh screams out, I need this. But we know it's not good for us, so our spirit man is stronger and says, it's not good for us, it's sin, we can't have it. Sometimes our worldly body takes over. And it's great for you to be in church this morning. Why? Because it strengthens your spirit man. It strengthens you as, as a spirit being to say no to the earthly things. And that's a constant battle. Ephesians says the following in Ephesians 4, verse 26 to 28. In your anger, do not sin. Just so that we, we can be clear on this, the Bible is telling us that we can get angry, and it's not a sin. Amen? Okay, just so that you know. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Meaning, when you are angry, don't sin. Don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Meaning, don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed when you're angry at your wife. Don't go to bed. Don't fall asleep. Why? This is why. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. What happens if we sin? What happens if we go to bed angry at each other? We give the devil a foothold to come and steal. That word literally there means that we give the devil a, a legal authority. We give him the right to come and steal from us. We know we've been set free. We know we've been saved by grace. We know that we live in Christ. But when we sin, when we go and sleep angry, when we look at worldly stuff, that's the moment we give the devil legal right to come and steal. We open literally in the spiritual realm, we open a door for him and say, you are legally now, um, I've given you permission to come and steal. And I mean, we, this is a great country, you know? We go to bed without locking our doors, some of us, leaving keys in the car, in the garage or just on the front table at the door, forget to lock the door, open up the door, thief comes in still, and then we see our cars on Instagram because the teenagers stole it. What have we done? We didn't lock the door. Come in, whatever you want. We, and that happens in our life as Christians, in our spiritual life as well. When we, when we don't lock that door, when we open the door, we give the devil authority to come in and to come and steal. And God he, he says in his words, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. We can't give him the legal right. And right through scripture, we see this 
how we open doors and leave windows open for the enemy to come and steal in our lives. We see it right through scripture, not on the screens, but if you're taking notes, Joel 2 verse 9. Listen to the pattern in the Bible. It says, they rush over the city, they run on the wall, they climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. Why? Because the window was open. And we leave doors open, church, and then we give the devil authority to come and steal. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 10 and 11, also not on the screens, says the following. Uh, verse 11, so that we would not be, um, oh, sorry, if, um, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. This scripture comes and tells us that we know the plans of the devil. And, and thankfully, thankfully, if, if, if there's one good thing about the devil, there's nothing there. But the one good thing is, he's not very creative, church. He's always gonna use three things to come and steal kill and destroy, always. It's always three things. There's always three doors that he's gonna use in our lives to come and steal from us, to come and destroy from us. The message translation says the following. The fact is that I'm joining in with your forgiveness as Christ is with us, guiding us. After all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. And right through the Bible, there's this theme of open doors, open doors, doors that we keep on opening for the devil to come in and we give him the authority to come and steal in our lives. And that doors I want to summarize in 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. What are these doors? What is these doors that the devil uses? 1 John says the following, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, listen to the doors, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. There's three doors summarized in this scripture that we find right through the Bible from the beginning, from Genesis to maps. That was funny, I'm not. <laughs> three doors. The first door, the first door is the lust of our flesh. John comes and says it's the lust of our flesh, meaning that is our passions our passions, what this worldly body desires. It's, it's the passion within us. It's, it's, it's our feelings, our appetite for things, the things we like, this body is yearning for. Not the spirit man, the, the carnal man is yearning for. That is the lust of the flesh, our appetite. It's how we are feeling. Just trust your feelings is the motto of the world. Church, as Christians, we can't trust our feelings. If I've trusted my feelings, I would not have been here today. I would have been on a beach somewhere in Whitsands, what is that called? Whit, that place. That place close to heaven. I would have been there. What is it called? Whit Sundays. Praise Jesus. I mean, that, that's the feeling that I have in my heart now, just lying on the beach, sipping some coconut, whatever comes out of it. And, and I mean, the world screams, follow your feelings. We can't follow our feelings. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. If I've trusted my feelings, I wouldn't have kids anymore. They would have been dead. Let me give you an example. One day, climb into my, I had a, a Amarok, a VW Amarok Ute, climb into it, leather chairs, everything, and the middle console, the leather middle console. 
has been ripped with a screwdriver. I mean, can you imagine the feelings that I, at that stage, I didn't like any of my children at that stage, but I still chose to love them, choose to love them. Why? Because choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. Our feelings should come under the subjection of God's word. That's what it should come to. The second door, the second door is the lust of our eyes. The lust of our eyes, what we can have, what we can accu accumulate, what we can get, it's, it's our possessions. Look at my big, nice house. Look at my 10th car. Look, look, look what I have had. Uh, look what I have. I'm keeping up with the Joneses. Never mind keeping up with the Joneses. I am the Joneses. <laughs> and then we go, how much can I have? How much can I get? What, what, what can I accumulate? I want more and I want more. It's like the song of Queen. It's, I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. I mean, now. And, and then we go into bad debt. Why? And we, we start to value debt just to keep up. There's nothing wrong with debt, church. It's the bad debt that is wrong. It's the debt to impress somebody that you don't even know, who doesn't even care about your life. But we want the possessions. That's why I, I love any Aussies here. I have appreciation for the movie The Castle. <laughs> I mean, in the great words of the great theologian Daryl Carrigan. <laughs> this is not a house. It's a home. It's not about my possession. It's not, it's a home. What's make, what makes it a home? It's the family inside. But this world is screaming out, you need more stuff. You, you, you need to live there and not there. You need that car and not that car. You need more possessions. Third door that we open is the pride of life. It's pride. And it speaks about our position. It speaks about our position. I mean, Saul, he was king. He was the man. He didn't listen to anybody anymore because he had the title. I mean, we, we just want the title. One day I'm going to be CEO. Why? Because I'm going to be CEO. Whatever it stands for. Customer experience officer. I don't know. Look at me, it's that, it's that whole thing about, look at me, I'm standing tall, head and shoulders. I mean, and Saul was standing tall, head and shoulders above everybody. He was almost like me, the most handsome dude in the house. <laughs> oh, it's a joke, it's a joke. In any case, if you have a problem with that, email me at handsomedude.gmail.com. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's what... <laughs> Here's what pride does. Pride puts the creature in place of the creator. Oh, that's good. You can go and tweet that hashtag Kenmore Church. It puts the creature in place of the creator. It's look at me. Look at my position. Church, every, everything we have, Everything that we have accumulated, everything, this, everything that happened here, it's, it's not us. It's by the grace of God and his goodness. It's not us. And the world's theology is do whatever makes you happy. That's the wrong theology. We should do whatever makes us holy, church. We should do whatever makes us holy. And right through scripture, we, we see these three doors. And I've told you, the devil is not very creative. It's only these three doors that he uses. It's, it's always these three doors. It's, it's going to be our passions, our position, and our possessions. Right through scripture, you can take notes. We see it in Genesis 3 from the beginning of the Bible. Uh, what happened to, to Eve 
Genesis 3, 6, it's not on the screens, but it says the following. And when the women saw the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and the tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took of its fruit. What happened there? Satan came and he presented the three doors. He just presented, he's not a creative fella. He's gonna present you just with three doors in your life every time. I mean, look at it. The good for food, meaning our passion, our carnal body, that's what, what we want. Delightful to look at, our possessions. Look at my nice car, look at my nice apple. And the desire to make one wise, literally to be like God, he said to them, meaning our position, look at me, look what I've done, look, I know everything. Three things, three doors, he's always going to use. He tried it with Jesus in Matthew 4. Jesus was fasting and praying for 40 days. He tried these three doors with Jesus. He said, look, you are hungry, but you're the son of God. Turn these stones into bread. If it was today, he would have said, turn these stones into Maccas. <laughs> what is he doing? He's opening the door, trying to open the door for, for the passion of food to, to feed this carnal body. He later on said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to serve, care, protect, and watch over you. Everybody, everybody will see it's you. You are the son of God. What is he doing? He's trying to open the door for his position as the son of God. Look at me. This is my position. And then he came to Jesus and, and said, look, all of these things I'll give to you, to you if you fall down and worship me. It's about possession. He's not creative church. He's gonna use these three doors all the time. All the time to get us. All the time so that he, he, we can stand tall. And then the pride of life sinks in. Look at me. Look at my possessions, my position. I love doing things that makes me feel happy. Passions of life. Even the gods that's, that is portrayed, portrayed in the Bible. Not God, but the gods they worshiped is portrayed in these three things. I mean, when you, when you uh, look at the God of Ashereth, the God of Ashereth was, was, was the God of lust. Prostitution happened in the church that day. They were worshiping the God of lust. And then we see the God of mammon, money, our possessions, the God of money. And ever heard about the God of Baal? Right through. Baal just represents power and position. And everywhere in this life, God, uh, the devil is going to try and use these doors to get us and steal from us. And our problem is we keep on opening the door to give him permission to come and steal. And I know there's people sitting here, you know you, there's, there's a time in your life where you can look back and, oh, that's the door that I opened there that brought me to a fall. That was, that was the website that I visited five years ago and that's when my marriage started to crumble. Well, that was when I played so much lotto to win the Powerball that I've put my trust in the Powerball and not in my workability that God has given me to earn my own money. I want someone else's. Everywhere it creeps in because we keep on opening the door. And the question that we need to answer this morning is how do we keep this door shut and how do we shut the doors? What's the antidote, Zalvin, to shut the doors so that we don't fall, so that we don't become like Saul, standing tall but falling hard, so that the pride of life does not creep in and cannot creep in? I wanna give you three things this morning and I'm, then I'm gonna close. How do we keep this door? How do we shut this door? 
that the devil keeps on trying to get into. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, it's integrity. It's integrity. And I know you, you, you may be thinking now, uh, I know what integrity means. It means to be perfect or it means to be clean or in actual fact, that, that's not what the word means. It doesn't mean that. Integrity from the root, the root word is interred, in, interred. The, the first part of the word is, um, is the root word. And, and the de de definition of integer is, is the following. It's a, it's a mathematical term. Integer means literally a unit of one. It's a mathematical term to be whole, a unit of one. So the word integrity does not mean I am perfect. The word integrity does not mean, hey, look at me, I'm clean. The word integrity literally means that I'm not perfect, I'm not clean, but I'm one person. And I'm, I'm going to stop living a life that has a lot of masks on it. It means I'm, I'm not gonna live two lives. A, a life at church and then a life on the golf course. Or a life at church and then a life with all the blokes. It means I'm taking off my masks and I'm gonna live as one person, as a person of integrity. Being, I know I'm not perfect, but this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm taking off my masks. I'm taking off my mask and I'm gonna live as one person, an honest life. So how do we shut the door? How do we shut the door? We live with integrity. And you don't have to struggle by yourself. It's impossible to do life by yourself, church. It's, in, it's impossible to, 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 to live life by yourself and, and go through the struggles by yourself. That's why it's so important for us, for you to, to join a connect group, to, to be part of, of the formation process of who you are. Why? What happens in connect groups? You form relationships. It, it, it's not about our curriculum. It's about the relationships that's forming there. Why? Because it's in that relationship where you can go six months down the line when you started to trust these people in your group that you are in. Is, Listen, this is the real me. Taking off the mask, I'm gonna live with integrity. I'm gonna live as one person. I'm tired of living with these different masks on. I'm taking it off. This is who I am and I'm struggling. And you're gonna learn and discover that you're not the only person that struggles. But that's where healing takes place, church. James 1:16 says, we, we confess our sins to one another. Why? So that we can be healed. We go to God for salvation, but we go to our friends for healing. That's where we take off the mask and this is my struggle. I'm struggling, can you help me? I can, I'm struggling with porn. Can you, can, you, can you just help me? I'm struggling with a drinking addiction. Can you help me? I'm struggling with the lust. Uh, can you help me? Yes, let's walk. Let's, let's help you. Let's disciple you. And it happens in relationships. When we start to say we're gonna, we're gonna be a people of integrity, meaning living one life and an honest life. I'm struggling, church. I'm struggling. Sometimes I, I go to my, my cell group or connect group and I can say I'm struggling. Then my connect group can say to me, Zalvin, let's go and have a beer. Talk about it. I mean, we all find this together. We all have masks that we need to take off, church, and start living a life of integrity. Proverbs 5 Seven to 10 says the following. Now then, my sons, and he says the sons because it speaks of relationship. There's relationship there. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. 
Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. What is he saying here? He says, don't do it. Don't live a life of no integrity. He warns us, don't live this way. Why? Because we're gonna lose everything and we're gonna enrich someone else's with our hard work. And I wanna encourage you, if, if you're a man in the house this morning, I wanna encourage all the men to read once a month, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, once a month. That will really help you once a month. It will take you 10 minutes. If you're slow like me, 15. But it will take you 10 minutes, once a month, just to keep you as a man on the right path, as a man of integrity. He's addressing the men. That's why I'm singling out the men. But we have to live a life of integrity. Why? Because listen what will happen when we live a life of integrity, an honest life. The following will happen. Romans 16, uh, 6 verses 12 to 14. The message translation says, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run the little errands, meaning just a sneak peek of that website. Just another beer when you know you can't handle two. Don't run the little errands. Don't run. Don't even run the little errands that you are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're li not living under the old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. When we live with integrity, we live with freedom, church. I don't have to have all the masks, all the personalities, all saying all the right stuff just so that I don't get caught out. We can live free from that. Second, second antidote to shutting the door on our possessions. The antidote there is generosity. Living a generous life. Living a life of generosity. It's, it's about giving church. And this is not a money sermon because I know what happens. Once I was in a gym, a guy told me, hey, because he, kn he knows I'm a pastor and I was gymming and um, he said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And I said, I know, there's place for you as well. <laughs> and then he said to me, you just want our money. All you preach about is money. The church just wants my money. Hey, church, can I, can I tell you a secret this morning? It's true. But there's a difference. We don't want your money from you. We want it for you. Why? Because God honors his principles. It's not for us. We're not gonna be enriched. It's so that you can be and become richer. Not just in money. This is not that, and, and I know, and I'm sorry for that. Can, can I say I'm sorry, um, and speaking on behalf of churches, we are sorry because we have perverted that message. Our message was, was give to get. When you sow $100, you will get 10,000 fold more. It's, it's not how it works. But God does promise that he is gonna bless us in overflow. It's his principle and we give because he gave. That's the difference. In Genesis, we see his principle. Genesis four verses two to seven. Now Abel kept flocked and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil meaning he wasn't intentional about it. When he felt like it, he did it. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering 
fat portions from of the firstborn of his flocks, meaning he was intentional. Everything that he got, he first gave back to God. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Because if, if, if we can't give things away, if we can't live a life with, of generosity, the, the, the door is opening for possessions. How can I get more? But God honors principle, and he, likes our, he, he, he wants us to, to live by his principles. Why? So that he can shut the door for the devil of possessions. He says it in his words in Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Bring all the tithes. Now, tithe is just a word for 10, meaning a tenth. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. And then here comes the promise. When we live with generosity in us, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. The church, the church doesn't want your money from you. It's for you. Why? Because God wants to open up a blessing so big that you can't contain it, and he wants to shut the door for the devourer that wants to come and steal from your hard-earning life. But we need to lead the way with generosity. And church, we, can we be a church that leads the way with generosity? Can we be a church that is known for giving stuff away? I love this church. You know why? Because we already have started resourcing other churches. They came here yesterday to be resourced, to, to get resources. I mean, Pastor Pat was teaching as if his life was dependent on it. Why? Because he lives a generous life. All of his, his intellectual property, that's his, he has just given it away. No wonder we are blessed in the midst of Brisbane. Because we are a, cheap, a, a, a church that leads the way with generosity. We are shutting the door of the devourer. And we want that for your life. How do we get rid of this, this door that keeps on opening? We open another door of generosity, so that God can help us shut the door of the devourer, the one that comes to devour. And thirdly, I'm already over my time. So James, you can come up. That helps me preach faster. <laughs> Number three, the pride of life. Salvin, I'm standing tall. Is it possible that I won't be falling hard? It is possible. It is possible. Number three, humility. To be humble. To be at a position of where I'm humble enough to say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. God, I'm in a position where I want, I want to, to humble myself. A person who's near to the ground, whose face is near to the ground on his knees, cannot fall very far, church. Being humble, Revelation 3, verse 7 and 8. Are you going to play? Oh. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to preach till lunchtime. So. Revelation 3, 7 and 8. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. 
I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Being in a posture of humility. I, I don't get it that we are scared to declare to the world that we are Christians. I don't get it. Do you know what's a position of, of humbling yourself? Ask this introvert, and I am, really. This is my comfort zone. That's why I can preach. Position of humble, a humbling position for me is this, this in, in a time of worship, in a time of praise. God, it's not about me. It's you. I'm worshiping you. I'm giving you all of it. You deserve all of it. But do you know what we tend to do? Especially in a time of worship. Hey, church, can I just preach for a moment? I've been teaching. Can I? Can I? Listen. Listen. When, when, when we praise and worship, when we praise and worship, it's not about us, church. It's about Him. His Word permits us his word is telling us to give him a shout of joy. His word is saying, literally, lift your hands. That is probably the most uncomfortable position for me as an introvert to lift my hands because why? Everybody's going to look at me. What do you mean, God? Lift my hands. Hey, Zalman, it's not about you. It's about me. And sometimes we get in this position of, oh, I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Or I don't want to lift my hands because what if, or we get in the position, yeah, but I didn't like that song. I didn't like that song. It wasn't a nice song. The worship band did it. Good, because we were not singing for you and at you. We are singing for Him, church. We are worshiping for Him. And his words literally says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. His word says that let every breath in you praise his name. And we stand, we tend to stand here. Oh God, you're so good. And then we, we sometimes we're just hippie Christians. What is a hippie Christian? It's praising God from the hip and up. Hallelujah. But his word is, his word literally says, let your whole body be a living sacrifice. Come on, church. I, I know. Church, God forbids that we give the wallabies yesterday evening more praise than him. I mean, his word says that if we are not going to proclaim his name, if we are not going to make his name great, the stones will start to shout out his name. And I refuse that a stone speaks for me. I'm going to keep on worshiping them. I know it's, I know it's not, not a great, I mean, we, we grew up maybe like this and, and it's just not in us. It's not about us. I, I love the fact that next week we get to learn about worship and moving our body a bit. And if, if you struggle with it, can, can I give you a, 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 a tip maybe? If, if you've never lift your hands in church, I, I'm not going to say lift your hands now in church and then make you feel uncomfortable. That's not what I want to do. I just want to take you on a journey so that we can become humble, so that we can say it's not about us. It's about Him. And if it's difficult for you, try this. Try your toe first. Just your toe. Ah, ah, and then they're following it. Just carry the baby. Yeah, God, you're so good. Just carry the. Don't, who who cares about what's who's watching you? Uh, uh, we can we can get to a place where we score the goal. I mean, in the AFL, goal, God, goal, God. I mean, we can get there, but just go on a journey. Yeah, but Salvin, what if they look at me? And what if they look at me? Listen, listen. God saved your life. He saved your life. I mean, I and you, me and you, we were going to hell, church. But He died for us. I am going to heaven because He's died for me, church, and for you. 
and I can't keep quiet because I was lost and now I'm found. I was going to hell, now I'm saved and I can't keep quiet and the stones won't speak after me. I will praise His name and say, God, I'll humble myself. It's not about us. It's not about our position. Who's going to look at us? Hey, church, do you want to know our story about position? Senior pastor standing here, 2,100, 2,100 people. Nice house. Nice car. It's German. Hey, Zalvin, it's not your church, it's my church. Give it up. Uh, excuse me, God. We, God, you know I sold my house to start this church. Give it up, it's not yours. And then you're going to move country. There's, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Sitting in a gym, crying my eyes out. God, if it's really you, just give me a sign. Daryl Bratwet, the horses started to play. <laughs> I had the peace of God coming over me. That's it. Pack up and leave. Why? It's not about us, church. It's not about my comfort. It's about my position. And we can't fall very hard if our face is already to the ground, worshiping our King. Because there's no place further to fall. We're already in a position of humbling ourselves. It's time that we shut the doors where we give the devil legal permission to come and steal, but he must steal no longer because we're gonna shut that doors. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you have done. Thank you, Lord, that you have saved us. You have saved our lives. And we, we cannot be silent. We are so thankful for that. And Lord, may we just come in a position where where we humble ourselves, where we lay our lives down for you, where we are worshiping you, God. May we live with integrity. May we live generous lives. And may we be humble because we know everything we have, it's because of your grace your goodness that's shining on us and it's all because of you may we shut the doors Lord as every eyes is closed in this house this morning and every head is bowed there's two invitations that I want to give this morning one is maybe the doors have been wide open in your life and you know it for too long and it's time to shut those doors I want to give you an opportunity just to just to proclaim it this morning and say Zalvin I, I need to shut doors can you pray for me nobody is looking around I want to pray for you will you quickly just raise your hand and slip them down again thank you thank you I want to thank you thank you you can, you can we're going to pray now second invitation if you are sitting here and you have never given your life to Christ maybe you've come to church a long time or, but you've never accepted the gift of salvation never been born again if that is a new term for you I'm speaking to you this morning if you haven't accepted the gift of salvation that Jesus has for you it's free for you this morning but you have to accept it and once you accept it 
you become born again and heaven becomes your eternal home. I want to give you that invitation this morning. Every eye is closed. If you want to accept the gift of salvation this morning, would you just raise your hand and just put it down? Thank you. Thank you. You can put it down. I'm going to give a last opportunity. I just want to lead you in a prayer. That's all. I'm not going to call you to the front. Thanks. You can let it out. Thanks. I just want everyone to say these words after me. There's two hands that went up and we're just gonna pray with them as they pray after me. So everyone in the house this morning, just pray after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me, for forgiving me. I come now and I accept the gift of salvation. And I proclaim that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, they are going to heaven and nothing can keep them up. Can we give them a great cheer? We're going to end off the service. If you raised your hand on the second invitation, I want to ask you just to get the prayer team afterwards. We have a gift for you, a Bible, and just want to help you with your journey as a new believer and as a Christian, uh, just on this walk of life. And I said I'm going to pray for you for the first invitation, and I, and I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm going to do it now. Amen. Lord, thank you for everyone that's just being honest this morning, wanting to live a life of integrity, of generous generosity, Lord and of to become humble, Lord. I wanna pray that you give them the strength, that you help them because in our own strength, it's impossible. But you, God, greater is he that's in me. That is you, Lord. And we wanna ask you to help us keep the doors closed that's not supposed to be open. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Bless you guys.